welcome to A Couple of Goons, a podcast where one person knows quite a bit about hockey and, uh, and another person doesn't know a lot about hockey. And over the course of the podcast, the person who knows a lot about hockey is going to tell me, the person who doesn't know a lot about hockey, and implicitly you, the listener, increasing amounts about hockey. And that person who knows a lot about hockey is with me right now. Neil Payne, how you doing? Hey, Walt. Oh, I thought we were going to do a thing where um, we we made the listeners guess which one of us is which. <laughs> no, there's no illusions about what's happening here. <laughs> like, we could try to keep it a secret as long as we could through the episode. Maybe we should try that one week. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just like it could be like one of those party games where you need to bluff and pretend that you're not, you know, the murderer killing people <laughs> on the space station. <laughs> like, among uh, among uh, Canucks. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, Well, wonderful week this week. This is going to be a really fun episode. It's one that we've been talking about for a while. Um, And I'm very excited about it because it's just kind of been like, there's been a couple things that we've had kind of looming over our conversations about hockey. Um, One of which is an event that we will get to eventually. But today we're going to talk about somebody who's really made an influence on the game. Somebody who has had a lot of impact and legacy and his name is brent and he is from canada and he is one of the most important figures in hockey history do i get that right do i have that right you're the one who knows all about hockey no that that is that is correct uh and so we decided you know we were trying to deliberate as to whether to wait for uh the 99th episode (laughs) uh this is episode 14 i believe yes goon spot so you know we could have waited that year plus uh oh it's way more than a year i think it's like three years (laughs) yeah exactly uh until until we could have talked about uh this individual which is a very long time to discuss hockey and having no knowledge of wayne gretzky (laughs) yes yeah so we we kind of buried the lead there we're going to talk about wayne gretzky uh and i suggested we could talk about this in in multiple episodes uh <laughs> worth of of questions from you about this gentleman um this sainted figure that is probably the greatest canadian possibly the greatest if you combine canada and america the greatest north american of all time but um interesting you know i think we'll do a uh we, we were gonna hit the high notes in this one but then you suggested that because uh, at first I was thinking maybe we should just talk about like Gretzky, the early years, just kind of go, you know, from start of the beginning. And you said, no, we should we should hit some of the high points now, but then do like a voiceover where it's like you're you're uh, you know, it's like adult Wayne pointing to himself and being like, well, you you probably are wondering how I got here. Well, it all started in 1961 in Brantford, Ontario, and kind of do that flashback. Record scratch. Music from 1961 starts playing. I assume it's a lesser Beatles song. It's it's just popping up. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I feel like... uh, We call it the Canadian invasion. Ooh. I mean, I don't know. I really enjoy Ryan Reynolds, so I don't really know if we really want to put that on. (laughs) Like... It's a it's a good time. But yeah, so I feel like today, like we hit the big ones because he is a great one. And obviously with a great one, we're like, we're going to need a couple of great one. He's the great one. The great one. Do I have that right? All right. Yes. The great one. Um, And 
I would like to kind of, you know, nibble at that a little bit and then we can kind of figure out what a good place to end is. Cause my understanding, like, again, I was just like, Oh yeah, let's talk about a guy. It'll be fun. And then you were just like, this needs to be like an eight part series. You were just like, maybe we'll talk about the first half of his youth career. And I was like, I think yeah, right. we need to talk a little <laughs> bit about other stuff first. His, uh, yeah. I mean, this could become the most epic of all mini series, uh, if, if we let it. But uh, we'll we'll go surface level this time. So I don't know if you wanted to start peppering me with questions about uh, Mr. Gretzky, Order yes. of Canada. Critical question: Who's your team of the week? Oh yeah, well let's <laughs> let's uh, let's do that first. Uh, and speaking of Canada, I feel as though I have no choice but to give team of the week to a team from Canada that a week ago we spoke about as though perhaps they may never play organized hockey ever again <laughs> that would be the vancouver canucks who i believe when we taped last time they had like pushed back their return to play and uh the one of their players was sort of openly questioning like hey maybe we should like not do not try to do this whole thing uh and not only they did they come back uh, i think their first game back since march 24th was on uh saturday not only did they play, but they actually came out and they beat the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, who are leading that division. We can say whether or not we think that this is goes down in the annals of Leafs uh, comedy, uh, but they, they beat the Leafs in overtime, uh, and then they turned around and played the Leafs again, and they just beat them outright in regulation, 6-3. to three. So, uh, you know, about all this whole, like, oh, they're not ready to come back, they, you know, this, that, and the other. Now this has turned into an inspirational sports story, which is my favorite type of sports story. I think most people's favorite type of sports story. And if they keep winning, I think, what do we have them at right now to make the playoffs? 24% or something like that? Uh, yeah, 24%. Uh, we should say they need help from the Montreal Canadiens in terms of perhaps collapsing from a perhaps seemingly unassailable position of playoff strength at some point. Uh, I think they had a 97% chance of making the playoffs uh, on, on April 6th. They need that collapse to happen. But if that does happen and they also hold off the Calgary flames, you can make a movie off of this, this Vancouver team. Yeah, it's good. I mean, it's, this is good stuff. It's again inspirational sports stories. That's like everybody's favorite kind of stories. My second favorite kind of sports story. It's just great. Your second favorite? What's yes, your favorite? Second, uh, anime about volleyball. Oh, you could make an anime out of this, though. I mean, obviously, it would not be uh, high Q level uh, uh, stuff, but it could be. I mean, I really would love to see the Vancouver Can- the 2021 Vancouver Canucks playoff bid in anime form. That that would really uh, that would really be great. I mean, it, it started out like disappointing. I think we talked about them as yeah. being a disappointing. And you have to have that like really disappointing arc just to kind mm-hmm. of demonstrate the stakes and the, and, and the, give them room for personal growth. Oh yeah, and there's so much growth, and the virus hits, and it's just yeah. people are are talking about them shutting down, and then they they ascend from there. We should we should note there is it's still quite remote that they would make the playoffs at this point. But it is possible. I mean, look, 24%. We're saying there's a chance. We're saying there's a chance. <laughs> and that's the team that's team of the week material, man. That is team of the week material because all you all you need to be to make team of the week is just have a good week. Like, you know, yeah, and, one and good like week. you line up enough good consecutive weeks, all of a sudden, you're in playoff contention. 
Yeah, like, right. I don't know what to tell you. I'm not a mathematician, but that's how that's how college. hockey works. Yes, that's you know the the best teams are the ones that tend to line up good weeks on top of good weeks consecutively. Every game is a four point game is a statistic that I keep on remembering because it actually sounded it just sounded really smart and like really up the stakes of, of a hockey season. That's weird. To it make. is the only unfortunate thing that could make this like more four point gamey is that all of the Canucks versus Canadians games have already happened. Uh, so they don't get to have those like head to head like we beat you. We get four points on, you know, net yeah. four points on you. <laughs> But, you know, still, there's like a lot of other players that uh, that's why I like the other, you know, side players that come into the mix, because we know that Toronto is like all but assured of making the playoffs. Uh, I I believe we have them at 100 percent, which just means that in zero of the twenty five hundred simulations that we ran of the season, that did they miss the playoffs? So you're saying Uh, there's a chance. I'm saying there's no chance as far as I know. I don't think they've clinched. So I guess there's like a statistical mathematical scenario that is just didn't come up in 2,500 opportunities for them to miss the playoffs on some obscure tiebreaker or something. But really, it mainly comes down to can some other team screw over the Canadiens? And believe me, in that North division, there are there is a lot of will to screw over the Canadians if possible. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Hockey. It's so good. And then mixing in geopolitics, even better. Um, but yeah, the, uh, th- there's a, this is the 14th episode of a couple of goons. Um, did you have a number 14 in mind that you wanted to well, kind of highlight today? Uh, I, we won't belabor it uh, because there's another player. We, we got to chat. We do about. need to talk about 99. Uh, which really sucks out all the air. 99, by the way, the only uniform number that is retired by every team in the NHL. Why is Uh, that? (laughs) Well, we get to that. Uh, You know, I I would think, I thought about Brendan Shanahan, great player for the uh, Detroit Red Wings. uh, And also he played for a number of teams, including our beloved Hartford Whalers for a hot second. I think he feuded with uh management so i'm not going to pick him how dare he feud with uh the beloved hartford whalers uh but instead i'll pick theo flurry who was all of about probably four feet tall maybe i'm exaggerating a little bit uh uh overcame his height-based um deficiencies uh in the nhl and also a, a lot of substance abuse problems. We won't sugarcoat it. Uh, to score 455 career goals in the NHL, uh, one of the great tiny players of all time. And I think he's become sort of a mental health uh, and, and substance abuse, you know, addiction, um, you know, uh, uh, advocate, speaker, you know, talking about um, uh, the struggles that he went through uh, as a player and, and trying to, um, you know, head off those issues with younger players. So. Theo Fleury, longtime member of the Calgary Flames, eventual member of your New York Rangers, although I think he was kind of disappointing there. Eh, he rattled off a 30-goal season for them. Uh, but <laughs> he's our number 14. So uh, smaller guys who eventually played for the Rangers is going to be a theme this episode. Is that right? Uh, yeah. I mean, so Gretzky was on the undersized side, I mm-hmm. would say. Uh, he was six feet, though. Theo Fleury was five foot six. Yeah. 182. Although Gretzky was 185 as per hockey reference. 
Uh, so a little on the skinnier side than that, but yeah, five foot six is an, is another entire, uh, story I think is, a. and you know what Theo Fleury to his credit, uh, and we'll probably talk about how Gretzky, you know, wasn't the most physical player. Theo Fleury would come at you, man. <laughs> he would like, he'd, he'd start fights at five, six with like clearly much taller players. Cause it doesn't get much shorter than five, six. Uh, in the league so um, yeah he was like a chippy little guy he played with like a a real a real chip on his shoulder uh, because he was like god didn't make me tall so i'm mad about that (laughs) yeah play angry uh the uh that is interesting so i guess like this is actually just a fun like little aside that like i imagine comes up occasionally in your line of work as a sports writer who who focuses on statistics i think it's really weird that they weigh people in sports and publish that information like i'm so happy that journalism doesn't do that because like season to season man it's been a fun it's been an interesting year man (laughs) but like i mean i'm right there with you man i would not (laughs) uh i would check in at a little bit more than my listed playing weight but the great thing is at like you know, the official reference sources like hockey reference or especially basketball reference, I think is pretty funny. They tended when I, especially when I worked for them, they would tend to only really have like the weights from like early in a player's career. And obviously like the way that they, well, yeah, the, the time in which they would kind of get that information and make it most public is like around the draft and they would take your height and they'd take your weight. And so you would end up with a situation <laughs> where like Shaquille O'Neal is listed as like, Oh, it's generous. It's like, <laughs> we're talking by a margin of, 50 to 100 pounds <laughs> compared to like where he's at. It's like rookie Shaq versus uh, late career Shaq. He, he has added some bulk. We'll put on, we'll put it in those terms. Uh, and so, yeah, it was funny. I think eventually they did get uh, access to the like yearly updates of, you know, training camp. They're weighing you in. And it's like, oh, here's Shaq's weight. And the joke is always, Okay, well, tell me what it is when he puts his other foot on the scale. Uh, so, <laughs> not to single out Shaq, but there's a lot of players no, of that course. you can kind of apply that to. He invented, um, he invested into a momentum-based training regimen at a certain point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's sort of like where sometimes you you play into that law of of uh, momentum or whatever, yes. <laughs> uh, where it's like objects at at uh rest stay at rest but then uh you you start transitioning to it's like he's gotten moving now you can't stop him that's his advantage you know it's it's tough to to stop an object in motion but of course when they weigh that much yeah um but yeah i i it is just kind of funny that you're just able to rattle off the, the heights of these gentlemen i'm just like i've never met this man and i know more about him than like most people know but like that's great um but like so There's I like guess a HIPAA violation happening at There is point. a HIPAA like what is that? Like if I were running their union I'd be very displeased about this. Like Does Canada have HIPAA? That's the other question. They definitely don't. That's Maybe definitely it's not more lax. 100% you know, they do not have to talk that. about this. Yes. <laughs> um all right. Uh Wayne Gretzky is a popular regarded individual within the sport of hockey. He is, yes. Do you want to like I know that again, one reason that we have joked very reliably about Brent Gretzky is that that is a statistic that I know that they are the highest scoring brothers and Brent has scored four points. Um, (laughs) But beyond that, I know that he is like arguably like the greatest of the great ones in the way that like, you know, it's real. I know that you've done posts about this. so I'd love to kind of tap that, but like 
he was really, really good at this thing. And nobody who's good at stuff is as good at the stuff that they're good at as this guy was at doing that thing. Is that about right? Yeah, I think that's about right. I mean, he owns 40 regular season records, 15 playoff records, six all-star records, by the way. Um, There's a whole Wikipedia page devoted to list of career achievements by Wayne Gretzky, which is pretty (laughs) amazing. Not many people like, in theory, your own just base wiki page would be the list of career achievements by it would have you the hits. Yeah. for like 99.999% of humans, their Wikipedia page is their list of uh, achievements. But Gretzky was so great, he needed a separate page to kind of elucidate those, those records. And I think that's pretty awesome if you think about it. Um, uh, and there's even a section for records that are, have been sort of updated, which is great. So since he was retired, mm-hmm. two, two of his records have fallen, but he actually gained one after his retirement. And the two ones that fell are like pretty lame. One is the record of uh, regular season overtime assists, which has <laughs> been passed by three players. And then also three players have passed Gretzky's record for most all-star game assists. These are records that Gretzky would scrape off the bottom of his shoe. He does not care <laughs> about these records, but he does have the, uh, he, he now, uh, he surpassed Mario Lemieux, who we could do a uh, episode on later too, uh, for most points per game, because Lemieux came out of retirement, uh, and played some extra games. And so his points per game average fell behind Gretzky's by a fraction of a point. Amazing. So now Gretzky has that record, but yeah, let's talk about the hits. So Gretzky, he has the record for most goals. That's 894 goals. It's a lot of he goals. has the record for most assists. That's 1,963 assists. We should note, get it out of the way early, that if Gretzky never had a goal, he yes. would still be the all-time leader in points because his assists, 1,963, is greater than the second most points person, which is Yarmir Yager, uh, who also warrants his own episode, uh, with 1,921. So Gretzky, if he never scored, would have the all-time assist record. Uh, Obviously, he does have that all-time, or he would have the all-time points record without a single goal, I should say. Uh, With his goals, he has a quite vast, almost 1,000-point lead on Yager. He has 2,857 points. He has the record for most goals in a season, 92. He has the record for most assists in a season, uh, 163 in the regular season. But he also tacked on 11 in the playoffs, so he has 174 assists in a playoff, uh, uh, or you know, including playoffs. By the way, 163 assists is a absolutely ridiculous number to have in a in a season. Because only uh, 10, no, only, yeah, only 10 seasons, and this includes Gretzky, mm-hmm. uh, not including Gretzky, only two, two seasons, both by Lemieux, have ever had as many points as Gretzky had for his record number of assists. So it's another one of Whoa. those ones where, like, if you take away Gretzky's goals, his assists alone would carry him to, like, the all-time records in terms of um, uh, points. To be fair, Lemieux's 1989 season where he had 199 points, that would surpass Gretzky's like non 
goal mm-hmm. best season, but that's the all one of only two that would do that. Uh, Lemieux has both of those. So we're talking about a guy who at his peak was the best over his career was the best. And this is in terms of, you know, scoring. We know these stats don't necessarily, you know, mean everything, but he has the highest goals per game average in a season. Uh, He has the highest points per game average in a season. Obviously he has the highest assists per game average in, in a season and a career. Um, he has the most 40 or more goal seasons. He has the most 50 or more goal seasons. Well, that one is tied with Mike Bossy of the Islanders. He has the most 60 or more goal seasons. He has the most consecutive 60 or more goal seasons. Oh, that's just, that's a lot. He has the most 100 or more point seasons. And he had 100 or more points in 15 different seasons, including 13 straight from 1980 to 1992. Uh, he has the most hat tricks in his career. That's a fun record. He has 50 hat tricks. Uh, he scored, uh, what's that? It's a lot of hats. Yeah. You know what hat tricks are, right? Yeah. That's when you get three things in a game and everybody throws their hat on the field, right? Right. Exactly. Which seems tremendously wasteful as someone who collects hats. I would not, uh, (laughs) yield any of those hats to be scooped up off the ice and done. God knows what to them afterward. Uh, won't someone please think of the hats? But yes, so Gretzky had uh, nine four-goal games and four five-goal games, which is pretty amazing. Um, he, in 1982 and 1984, both seasons, he had 10 hat tricks in each of those seasons. That's the record, most, most hat tricks in a season. Uh, he had an assist in 23 consecutive games. And in that span of 23 games, he racked up 48 assists. He also had a, at least a point in 51 straight games. Uh, and he did that uh, from ni- in 1983 into 1984. He had a f- 153 points in those 51 games, which is over. Th- or, uh, yeah, it's exactly three points per game uh, during that stretch that he averaged. And remember, if we talked about that, if you got one point per game, you were doing great. You're, You're like a great a player. Star. You're yeah. a big no, fan. He, he tripled that up. Um, and he had also in the first 51 games in the 1983-84 season, he had at least one point in every single one of those games. And he was, by the end of that 51-game stretch, he was at 153 points for the season, which I would imagine is more than almost anyone scored at all that season. Uh and he had done that by like roughly slightly more than half of the season. He had done that. So this man, I mean, we, I can just rattle off his records all day. They, they don't, they don't encompass everything he, that he did, mm-hmm. but they encompass a lot of why we call him the great one, because his, his numbers are so mind boggling as to be, really impossible to believe you have to like look at these numbers they don't seem real they seem like they were done playing a different sport and in some ways we'll talk about this they were done in a different era of hockey that was more sound like a modded video game that like yeah a person whose name was wayne gretzky modded the video game (laughs) he modded the video game of hockey it really is video game numbers and i think it's probably the most video game numbers any athlete who had video game numbers ever put up uh, at their most video game, if that makes sense. Like Barry Bonds probably got close to that at his peak, but he only did it for a few seasons. He was on steroids, allegedly. 
at that moment. Is that even a legend uh, anymore? Uh, I thought that was a thing. I thought that we, I thought that we were good so, on that. Yeah, well, we're probably good on it. Yeah, he he. Uh, maybe the alleged is whether he knew that he did it or not uh, at the time. Uh, but anyway, so Gretzky, you know, like it's a little tough. You look at him, and we said he he's five. He's six foot tall. Uh, came in at under 190 pounds. So it's sort of like he wasn't on Gretzky. Uh, <laughs> Gretzky yeah. roids. He wasn't on he, he he was he was on his own version of roids. He he was he was eating Wheaties. That was all that it was. And he was on a number of Wheaty boxes, I'm sure, across uh, Canada. So to me it's um I think he probably got a product placement deal or two in the course of his run. Oh, he did. And uh, are you familiar with the cartoon show Pro Stars, uh, in which Gretzky uh, appeared with Michael Jordan, whose voice did not uh, <laughs> was not lent to the to the cartoon, and Bo Jackson. And uh, Gretzky's thing on that show was that he was the guy with the voracious appetite that ate a lot. That was weird and sort of unexplained. Gretzky, not known for his eating, otherwise. Uh, but they each each hero needed their thing in that uh, show. So <laughs> he was a superhero who could skate really fast, and all he did was think about food. Uh, but that's neither <laughs> here nor there. So yeah, I mean, I think the reason why Gretzky uh, and I didn't even talk about the fact that he won multiple Stanley Cups uh, while putting up these numbers, which you don't really think you think about individual stats as sort of. Uh, coming at the expense of winning in a lot of cases. Yeah. But Gretzky won the Stanley Cup four times. He was the MVP of the playoffs two times. Uh, and I should say he won the MVP of the whole league nine times, that beautiful heart trophy that we uh, considered a, an S-tier trophy in an earlier it's episode. It's so really uh, Gretzky, yeah, I mean, uh, we've, we've talked about all of these numbers and uh, it's impossible to kind of really even with those numbers explain what he meant to Canada also because he played for the Edmonton Oilers uh, for the first you know near, near decade of his career uh, and that was the team that he won all those cups with. He was Canada's golden boy. He was it was a national event when he married. Uh, actress Janet Jones. Uh, it, it was sort of like you remember, you know, like the royal wedding. I mean, to be honest, it was like Canada's version of the royal wedding. When Canada when is a was, part of the Commonwealth, they they were part of the royal wedding. They, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> and to them, it was more important uh, when Gretzky uh, got got married. Uh, and when Gretzky got traded, uh, it was sort of the seminal moment in uh, in the history of hockey that uh, player you know, who was so beloved playing for a Canadian team could be traded and not just traded to a U.S. based team, but traded to Los Angeles. Uh, and this tra trade happened. Yeah. In 1988. Uh, I, was, I, ha I have a question about that. We can, get, we can get to that in a bit. I just like I like as you write off these numbers, I've been taking some notes. Yes, And um, most of those entail assists, which are very, very, very high. And I guess I'm like, you know, if you think about an assist, at least like, you know, forgive me if I'm wrong, but like be, being a player who has a lot of assists means that you are oftentimes paired with players that you have either really good chemistry with or that you um, know very well, or you at least have other good players on the team. Like you mentioned earlier that there's players who like are very good, but that comes at the expense of team achievement, right? But like, it seems like if his numbers are so good in assists, it does seem like he was with some pretty good players. I like, 
I'm not going to ask who was his Scotty Pippen, but who was Scotty Pippen? Like, did he have <laughs> people who he kind of worked with reliably over the course of his turn run? Oh yeah, definitely. And uh, some of those, like Mark Messier uh, of the Mark Messier Memorial Award, decided by Mark Messier. Yeah, the one by Mark Messier. Previous, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Previous listeners will know that uh, he played with Gretzky for a number of years um, on the Oilers, uh, and is is probably. I would say one of the players most associated with his like teammate connection uh, with Gretzky uh, and they would hook up later on the uh, New York Rangers uh, in the 1997 season uh, when Gretzky went to New York. Uh, but some other guys I would say uh, that had um, uh, like a history of, of uh, connecting with Gretzky, Yari Curry, uh, this amazing not, not spelled the same way as Steph Curry, um, but uh, this guy was, you know, a really talented uh, scorer. He had, uh, for instance, in the year where Gretzky had 163 assists, Yari Curry scored 68 goals. Uh, that's a lot of goals. Anytime you're talking about a 60-goal, 60 60-plus 60 goal season verging on 70 goals, that's a lot. And so he was one of the most prolific uh, recipients of those Gretzky passes. Uh, Glenn Anderson is another guy uh, that that played a lot of years with Gretzky and uh, scored a lot of goals off his passes. And I should also mention Paul Coffey, who was generally is regarded as one of the great defensemen of all time, uh, but he was known as an offensive defenseman. So he would sort of jump up into the play as like a fourth forward and basically like gave arguably very few shits about playing defense. He, his idea was basically like the best way I can help this team is by jumping up into the play, being that fourth forward and uh, delivering on Gretzky's passes. So, you know, Paul Coffey as a, uh, as a defenseman, it's kind of unheard of outside of somebody like Bobby Orr. he scored 48 goals, uh, which you just don't hear of uh, defensemen scoring that many goals uh, <laughs> uh, in the year that Gretzky had 163 assists. So you can kind of pick out the years where Gretzky had a lot of assists. Look at who else led that team, the Edmonton team, in goals. And by the way, Gretzky had 52 goals in 1986 on the team the year that he had 163 assists. And he was third on the team in goals behind Curry and Anderson oh, wow. uh, and f- and only four ahead of Coffey. So, uh, and Messier had 35 that year. So it was really a testament to, you know, uh, you can kind of figure out who Gretzky is playing with, who who he is delivering those um, those beautiful passes to. And again, Gretzky was no slouch as a scorer, especially early on in his career. When he had, I mean, 92 goals, that's unbelievable. His second best season, he had 87 goals, which is also pretty unbelievable. <laughs> uh, I think only Lemieux uh, has even like, touched that i think uh brett hall had a year where he scored like 86 in a season but basically speaking those are numbers that are pretty unassailable and i think the year that gretzky scored 92 he had 50 in the first 39 games of the season so uh the number of 50 goals in 50 games is like this benchmark that is like the holy grail of scorers uh because it was first done by maurice richard of the maurice richard memorial riot yeah. uh, that we also talked about oh that was um, fun yeah, him scoring 50 goals in 50 games was like this massive moment. It was uh, sort of revolutionized what it meant to be a big scorer in the NHL. Well, Gretzky looked at that and was like, hey, not only can I do that in 40 games, I'll do it in 39 games. Uh, and I think he scored like four or five goals in the game that he needed to score to get it in under 
the 40 game mark. So Gretzky was an unbelievable scorer. Now I will say when you look at the way that he scored his uh, goals, uh, the highlights of those, it was pretty unlike the way that goals are scored a lot today. He Mm -hmm. loved the slap shot. And you don't see a lot of guys uh, winding up. I mean, he would wind up on the slap shot on friggin' breakaways, where today you would see a guy put on like four or five dekes and try to kind of, you know, uh, finesse it in. Fake it. Yeah, fake out the goalie. Gretzky was just like, boom, I'm slapping this one past the guy. And, and it was kind of a unique product of an era where uh, this definitely warrants its own episode but the butterfly style of goaltending which is where the goal which is the dominant style today and has been for decades where the goalie drops down with the aid of pads that (laughs) meant that they didn't have to risk themselves you know as much bodily harm by getting down low to the ice that changed everything about how goals were scored in the nhl and gretzky did those high scoring seasons right before the cusp of the butterfly era really started to come in so a all of the goalies at that time were roughly speaking, they were what's called stand-up goalies, which is they tried to make goalies, uh, they tried to make saves without dropping down and, and they mm-hmm. made saves without leaving their feet. So they would try to kick save. They would try to stick save. They, they, they would try to make saves uh, without really going down on pucks that were along the ice. And Gretzky was so good, so accurate at placing these slap shots that he could pick out the lower corners or, you know, fire it through what's called the five hole between the legs uh, on the goalie with slap shots with unbelievable accuracy from like the blue line in. Uh, and so a lot of his goals were scored that way. Um, and, uh, that sort of became a style that, that phased out of how goals were, were scored predominantly as, uh, guys, you know, uh, goalies adopted the, the butterfly style, but to Gretzky's credit, he remained a very viable, very useful offensive player even after that happened uh and he still knew how to score uh for instance even in the twilight years of his career what we'd call that uh he had 38 goals in 1994 uh and at age 37 in 1998 his second to last season he had 23 goals in an era in which it was what's called the dead puck era it was very difficult to score and he led the league in assists that year also at 90 points so he was a guy that adapted his game as the 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 uh, style of play changed and i could argue that basically nobody no star player overlapped across a bigger change stylistically and how the sport was played than Gretzky did from the early part of his career to the end of his career he basically went from the highest scoring era in NHL history to the lowest scoring era in NHL history and some of that was because of him because defenses basically had to find ways to slow down or otherwise you know stop the the way and goalies had to find ways to stop the way that this guy was scoring because otherwise they would you know give up an unbelievable number of goals so I think that's part of Gretzky's legacy as well is that he was able to adapt but the game adapted to him as much as he adapted to it and I don't know that um, anyone else kind of exerted that much influence over the sport that they played um, across their whole career so Gretzky and you're talking about the assists Gretzky's like calling card was 
his vision on the ice, uh, the, the quote that he, you know, his father would sit him down and make him watch games on TV as a child and sort of draw where the puck was on a diagram. Like he would watch like hockey night in Canada, whatever the game was. And he would have to diagram out where the puck was to try to learn where the puck tended to be because his father told him, don't skate to where the puck is now skate to where it's going to be and that sort of sounds trite sounds cliche but he did have this sort of sixth sense for knowing like reading the play knowing where he needed to be in order to to go to where the the puck would end up being and also where his teammates would be you know he had like this knowledge you don't get that many assists in your career or in a season without just having this intimate knowledge of where guys are going to be at their most dangerous and how to get them the puck. And what he did was a way that he revolutionized the game was he had what was called Gretzky's office. And that's the area right behind the net. Uh, he, <laughs> nobody had really used that area. It was considered a low-risk area of the net because you can't really score from there uh, unless you get super creative uh, and try to you know kind of wrap it around uh, or whatever. And so t- defenses didn't really think about like having to defend that area. But Gretzky said, not only am I going to be, I'm going to turn this into a dangerous area. This is going to be the most dangerous area for me to have the puck on my stick on the entire ice because (laughs) they're, they're trying, you know, the goalie is looking away from me. He has to turn his neck to even see where I am. Defensemen aren't used to going back there. They don't like facing in that direction and trying to kind of play the puck. Meanwhile, as Gretzky, I'm sitting behind the net. I can see everything. I have everything in the offensive zone laid out in front of me. I can see anybody who's coming, you know, my teammates coming toward the net. And if any of them get free, boom, I'm going to fire off a quick pass to them and they'll probably score. Also, uh, if the defense tries to come at me, I can use the net as a shield. So basically I'm waiting for them in some ways to, to, to dictate things to me. So if they, you know, try to come at me on one side, I'll just go to the other side and guess what? By, by coming toward me, they left their man and guess who is the best passer ever and has the best vision ever and can see as soon as that guy is open I'll pass it to him. And even if they try to stay disciplined that way, maybe I'll bank it off the goalie's own uh, skate or off the back of his pads and score off of that. And there's a great game. uh, I would encourage everybody to look up on YouTube. Oh, I mean, yeah, he was like sadistic in his, I mean, the, he is the consummate He felt like he found a broken part of hockey and he was just like, I'm just going to do this. And yeah, he eventually maybe. (laughs) Right. He spammed a glitch in the meta that they couldn't patch. Uh, They they could not put in a patch for that glitch. Uh, We need to have a net here and a goalie here. So I don't know how we're going to patch this. Like that's amazing. Well, they actually even tried to. So they moved the goal line to try to change the dimensions of that area behind the net to make it more difficult for him to be able to, you know, rude. Yeah, to do that. And and it was really, I don't know if they called it the Gretzky rule, but they (laughs) should have because it was in direct response to Gretzky and his his playing style. And uh, yeah, I was going to say, I should encourage everybody to look up on YouTube. There's a particular game from probably 1996. So it's a little bit later in Gretzky's career, uh, but he's playing the Montreal Canadiens at the, the Forum in Montreal. And 
he puts on a total clinic of Gretzky's office uh, in this game uh, where he has the Canadians defensemen like he has mind fucked them so thoroughly in this game because in early in the game, he gets off one of his little like, you know, backhand passes to a guy in the slot who scores. Then he takes it back to his office. They're worried about that. And because they're so worried about that, he banks one in off the skate of the goalie for a goal himself. And by that point, they're just totally like he is living rent free in their head. And, and there's one sequence where he stands behind the net stick handling and they don't touch him for a good minute consecutively. He just has the puck on his stick and he's waiting, waiting. His teammates are kind of circling around, circling around. And the, the Canadians defensemen are so panicked and the goalie <laughs> is so panicked and has no idea which side of the net he's going to come on. And they, everybody in the whole building, you can like hear the forum sort of like start to kind of build up this, this, uh, this crowd noise, this roar, this like gasp from them. And the second that the Canadians defenseman makes like a skating mistake, staying stride for stride with one of his teammates, he whips off a pass and it's an instant goal. And it's, and they give him a standing ovation at the end of it because it has been like, and in retrospect, it was one of the last like Gretzky clinic moments where like, you know, uh, that, you know, this guy, like he can't do this forever, but he's still in that moment at the prime of his career and doing the things that make Gretzky Gretzky and that he can do that nobody else can do. So I love that moment. I love his final hat trick in the playoffs, which came with the Rangers in 1997. Uh, and it's another moment where he just like decides like, I'm feeling it tonight. I'm going to do that. Uh, or you could go back to the 1993 playoffs. That was really the last run where he carried a team to the Stanley Cup final. He carried the the LA Kings after a season in which it was a terrible regular season for him. He missed most of the season with a back injury, but he hit his stride again in the playoffs carried the Kings and he scored a hat trick in the deciding game against the Toronto Maple Leafs that he still calls the greatest game that he ever played. If he had to kind of pick one uh, where, where he just willed that team to win and, and put them into the Stanley cup final. So uh, Gretzky has these moments where it's just sort of, it's more than the numbers. It's just about like the, the individual brilliance that you can kind of boil down these moments that he could do that nobody else could do. But he also had more of those numbers uh, or more of those moments than than anyone else in in hockey history and that's why it was uh his career and his his life as an ambassador for the game even were such a big deal yeah no i mean you've you've said a lot of like really really interesting things there because like the thing that i guess like it seems like his talents were like mainly analytical that he was able to just kind of read the game better than anyone else it's so clever that like he just discovered that there was like the goalie ostensibly has the best view of the entire rank Except if you go behind the goalie, then you can right, see the exactly. goalie. And so he just broke it. And it's so funny. Like, how the, like that's just like, it's one of those situations, like, you know, the Fosbury flop is like the yeah. moment that somebody completely revolutionized how to do a high jump. And it seems like you've just rattled off approximately six different Fosbury flops that <laughs> were single-handedly pioneered by Wayne Gretzky. Um, <clears throat> so yeah. that's yeah, fun. I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, and, and really the game after Gretzky, like, there were guys that scored a lot. There were guys that passed a lot. But the thing that 
made him special was he did both of those things, especially when he was at his peak really well. And he did it within a system where he didn't have to sacrifice the team's success or sort of, you know, subjugate others. He made everyone else around him better. uh, And that made the team uh, you know, powered them to a dynasty. Uh, so it's it's kind of cool to think about the fact that he didn't have to sacrifice his numbers. His numbers actually uh, meant that the team was more dangerous and, and playing better. Um, and he did it as a little guy, which in some ways uh, was, was new for hockey uh, in, in terms of a guy that didn't need to like he had, he famously had a lot of enforcer types around him. You're like Marty McSorley types, or you know these these hulking guys that would protect him, uh, and uh, with the threat of like if you mess with Gretzky, you're gonna hurt. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna pay for that. Um, and it, he was one of the first superstars that that you know didn't really protect himself in a lot of ways like Gordie Howe who was Gretzky's idol and the reason Gretzky wore number 99 was because Gordie Howe was number nine and he wanted to take number 99 uh, number nine but it was already taken so he's like I'm gonna just double it up uh Gordie Howe was famous for the Gordie Howe hat trick which is you score a goal you get an assist and you win a fight uh, in the same game. Uh, he was a tough as nails guy. And we talked about uh, Maurice Richard's penchant for just flying off the handle like a maniac and going after people. Gretzky, like he he fought maybe like a handful of times in his career. I'm sure hockeyfights.net has a record of like the two times in his whole career that he fought. But mostly he wasn't that type of guy. He wasn't a physical guy. He won the Lady Bing trophy, our favorite uh, trophy of all, five times, uh, which... Uh, underscores just what a you know sort of disciplined player he was but that physical aspect wasn't part of his game and it it didn't have to be a part of his game and I think in some ways like hockey Paris would probably look at that and say oh you know Gretzky doesn't play the game the same way that Canadians used to play but that was also uh the the advent of a new style where uh, I believe we talked about this when uh, Jake was on the show where before the 1970s, but especially, uh, you know, before the, the 1980s, but especially before the 70s, hockey was almost exclusively Canadian. And they played this very Canadian style where the wingers never really crossed over out of their lanes. The center stayed in the middle. Defensemen never kind of pinched up or, or joined the play like Paul Coffey, unless it was like Bobby Orr and it was like a, absolute once in a lifetime type of skater and talent. Um, They played this very Canadian style of play and the advent of more European players in the game and, and, you know, Russians like Soviets, they would not join until uh, even later than that. But you had European players. Yari Curry was one of those players who, who came into the game and really uh, brought a lot of ideas that normally you wouldn't have seen in the uh, Canadian style of play. Uh, and Gretzky just clicked with that. Like he had some teammates that came from that. Curry was from Finland. Uh, but also it was just a style of play that really meshed with his strengths. Uh, and, and uh, you know, it, he, it would have been a weakness to try to use Gretzky in that sort of bruising, dump the puck in and then go fetch it with, you know, your physical play type of style. He was much better at this free-flowing, you know, passing, carrying the puck into the zone. He, uh, Gretzky, one of his best moves was to 
skate with the puck into the zone across the blue line and then do a quick turn back. Uh, and uh, people always said Gretzky is not the fastest skater. He's not the most elegant technical strider, you know, on his skates, but he had a super small turning radius and he was very <laughs> agile. Uh, yeah. I mean, it sounds like something you would describe for a car, but uh, I was going to say D and D, but like, yeah, like. <laughs> but the agility of Gretzky was on display when he would skate with the puck into the zone, he would quickly turn back and that sort of, uh, he would put the defenseman on their heels, skating backwards with that move into the zone. And then he could sort of, stop on a dime faster than them and when he turned back he could see everything that was kind of playing out in front of him as his teammates entered the zone he could hit them with a quick pass maybe he could uh, you know fire off a, a slap shot uh, to try to score uh, and and so that was another way in which Gretzky you know he used his his strengths and his strengths were vision anticipation knowledge of the game uh, and also really good agility and a really hard, accurate slap shot and just incredible passing touch. And those things, All of those age things, really well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, exactly. And that's why he was still able to be a really effective uh, passer later in his career, lead the league in assists in his third to last and second to last seasons, even when the threat of him as like a goal scorer was sort of gone, you know, or, or certainly not as uh, as much of a threat at all as it used to be. He still commanded such attention on the ice. Like uh, he was one of those guys where if we had tracking metrics like we do now or starting to have, you could really measure what what's called the gravity of uh, of Gretzky where Play, uh, defensive players needed to either be on him all the time or they needed to at least be very mindful of where he was. And because that was true, it opened up so much more space for other players on the ice, his teammates, to be able to do things and, and be creative in their own right. And he had a very talented supporting cast, one of the best ever in terms of assembling. Like That was the, the credit to Glenn Sather, who was the coach and later the general manager of the Edmonton Oilers, was he set out at the dawn of the 80s when the Oilers, which I think was no coincidence, they came from the World Hockey Association. They were not an NHL team at first. When they got Gretzky even, uh, they bought him from the Indianapolis Racers when he was about 18, 19 years old something like that uh while they were still in the world hockey association which was this upstart league this different league that was you know competing with the nhl ultimately merged in with the nhl but they played more of that wide open style and glenn sather who was kind of a younger coach younger gm type of guy he said i want to assemble the most you know, talented finesse players that I can, I'll protect them by getting some goons shout out to a couple of goons, uh, you know, but, but I won't worry about whether they can protect themselves as long as they have those other protectors in the lineup. And I'm going to play the, this free flowing European style and, it totally revolutionized the way that hockey was played. And Gretzky was the single player that kind of enabled that more than anyone else and ushered in a new era of hockey, really kind of taking the NHL out of the era of the 70s when the Bruins were known for their physicality. God knows the Philadelphia Flyers defined themselves by their physicality uh, in in their, um, you know, a psychopathic gritty only can come from that <laughs> uh, a franchise with that history and they embodied that in the 1970s but the and the islanders were a, really a kind of hybrid team that had skill but they also had a lot of physicality and they were a dynasty in their own right kind of in the early 
eighties and, and the, a team that the Edmonton Oilers had to dethrone to be able to kind of go off on their own dynasty. But there was no doubt that the, the as the eighties went on into the, you know, approaching the early nineties, that era belonged to Gretzky and it existed because of Gretzky and because of his, innovations that he brought to the um the game and it feels like that's also like again i just kind of look back over like the course of like as long as i've been alive like the gretzky era does seem like when hockey was really at a zenith when it came to entrance in the national conversation and and just kind of comparison to you know then rival leagues many of which are like have grown pretty substantially since then yeah I, i and i think it's no coincidence that i think in 93 uh which was around when gretzky was sort of at his ambassador peak because he was playing really well. Like I said, led the Kings to the, uh, to the finals in Los Angeles. I mean, the proving the viability of hockey in Los Angeles and Gretzky was in a town with the Lakers in a, you know, in a, in a town where you have to kind of compete with all kinds of other star power he brought celebrities to the rink, you know, Tom Hanks and uh, uh, Kurt Russell and all of these like Hollywood hockey fans uh, would show up at Kings games and it became the hottest ticket in town. Uh, and and that was because Gretzky was winning and it was kind of cool to, to know him, to hang out with him uh, <laughs> and, and be seen with him. Uh, and so there was a Sports Illustrated cover story that I remember that uh, – basically said the NHL is hot and the NBA is not. And that is like kind of difficult to envision right now because, you know, the NBA has grown in popularity by leaps and bounds. Sports Illustrated having a cover? Like, that's unbelievable. That was Sports Illustrated physically putting out a magazine. (laughs) Uh, But that that was a time when, if you think about it, Michael Jordan had retired for the first time from the NBA. He wasn't there anymore. The NBA was kind of defined by almost like, goon type uh you i've know, seen the, the documentary space jam i know what the nba was like in the early 90s <laughs> yeah it, it, you know the new york knicks and that type of style was sort of grinding play to a halt meanwhile you have this comparison with the nhl where people are like oh my god this sport where they skate really fast on ice and and shoot a, a piece of rubber really fast that's pretty cool. Some X game shit. I could shit. see myself being, yeah, being a fan of that. Uh, that's, yeah, exactly. When more would would have been the marketing time for an extreme uh, seeming sport than in the mid nineties? My I'll goodness. tell you, I'll tell you when in Colorado when they started the team when they became the Rocky Mountain Extreme. Uh, but yeah, so I th- I definitely think that that was sort of the halcyon moment for the NHL and something that you know I think the NHL is in good shape right now. Uh, all things considered, I think that the level of play is really high, uh, in part due to these kids being influenced by Gretzky, you know, growing up or influenced by the generation that was influenced by Gretzky. Cause that's the point that we've kind of gotten to, uh, in terms of how yeah, young, well. uh, this generation of players is. Um, but you know, in some ways it's still like, think about it. We talked about, they've just now kind of regained that that ESPN contract and and trying to kind of get that national presence. Well, ESPN aired the Stanley Cup finals in 1994, you know, and it was uh, uh, they they just got that national TV contract at that time. And that, in a lot of ways, that was due to Gretzky and his breakthrough 
uh, of kind of proving hockey was viable in areas outside of the original six cities outside of Canada, you know, outside of traditional um, places that, that already had that built in fan base. So when they talk about Gretzky as being like the ambassador of the game, uh, that was part of it. Uh, he made it cool and he just had this kind of effortless, like he, he was not a uh, attention seeking player. In fact, Every conversation with Gretzky, if you try to get him to brag about himself, <laughs> he will deflect just any kind of compliments and say, you know, well, my favorite all-time player is Gordie Howe, and I wouldn't have been great without, you know, watching him grow up, and I really I love, love Connor McDavid. Great. I mean, he is like an absolute gentleman putting aside his brief stint as coach of the Phoenix Coyotes, Arizona Coyotes. Uh not well, cool. Uh, <laughs> but uh, and and a gambling scandal that may have come out of that, and perhaps other scandals, uh, perhaps involving his wife placing bets. Anyway, putting that aside, he has kind of had this ultra squeaky squeaky clean record, uh, and and is just sort of the most uh, polite uh, Canadian imaginable, which is why I think he's the quintessential Canadian. Yeah, you weren't kidding. He has two fights on HockeyFights.com. <laughs> And one was, I guarantee you, one. I believe you know it was against Neil Broughton. Is that it? There's Neil Broughton and there's D. Lecure of Chicago. Yeah. Uh, So uh, the Neil Broughton one is really funny because Neil Broughton absolutely has no interest in fighting Gretzky (laughs) because he knows, like, look, this is not good. There's no way that this goes well for me, and I don't want to do it. But Gretzky is pissed off at him and is like, I want to go. Yeah, you know, and is trying to goad him into fighting, and Broughton is like, "Jeez, Wayne, come on, man! (laughs) You don't want this. I don't want this. Please don't do this." And I think they end up sort of like cursorily trading blow, like you know, it's a trading. It's a little tussle. It's a tussle. It's sort of a a de facto tussle, I guess. Um, But yeah, like Gretzky was not a fighter. You weren't kidding, like, like. We need three to four episodes about this, if not more. Oh, I mean, I need to go into his... Yeah. It's going to sound hyperbolic. I need to go into his stats that he put up from the ages of 13 through 17. That sounds hyperbolic, but after this conversation, hyperbole is out the window. So I guess the next episode that we'll do, now that we've done this like kind of overarching look, we'll do the early years. And then maybe we'll do like Edmonton. Is that one episode? Yeah, Edmonton could be its own episode. And then I like, think. or at least Edmonton. I think after that, uh, yeah, we could do like the the Edmonton era and then the post Edmonton, which would include yeah. Los Angeles, uh, the St. Louis Blues, which is absolutely a fascinating chapter in hockey history in general. And even though it lasted only all of about two months, and then um, the New York Rangers years uh, and yeah, his retirement. Yeah, that sounds like, and then like the post game and just like the influence. That's that's like a good solid two to four. Um, one last the question: the Gretzky anthology. The Gretzky anthology. So this is episode one. The it's episode the, fourteen of Couple of Goons, but episode one of the Gretzky <laughs> anthology series. The Great One Part One. <laughs> <laughs> the Great One Part Two. The Great One Part the Three. The Great One Point One. <laughs> <laughs> um. Cool. 
Yeah, no, this has been really great because I have I still have like many questions. One of which is yeah, you like, said you had another question. Here's my last question, and I guess like let's try to make it quick, just because I, I like to keep these at an hour, right? Oh, for sure. What the fuck do you trade to get Wayne Gretzky on your team? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's gonna have to be a part of the the later episode because that trade. I uh, I will just say this about this. So there, uh, I mentioned a guy named Steve Dangle. Uh, who is uh, a really entertaining hockey YouTuber uh, that started out as an independent uh, YouTuber, but then uh, I think he does stuff for like uh, Sportsnet or something right now. Uh, Yeah, I think he does. So he does these trade trees uh, on uh, for Sportsnet where he sort of unpacks the entire uh, every branch of a trade, uh, one trade. This is that extremely that, your shit. This is so oh, funny. Completely, completely. If I go onto so, your YouTube pages, your entire recommended video is just trade trees. Oh, totally. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's it's that like old game footage. You know, uh, uh, the occasional Allison Pregler video. You should check her out. She's really great. Um, but anyway. Uh, yes. Yeah, so Steve Dangle does these trade trees where he unpacks all of the sort of fallout from one particular trade. Uh, and they usually last, uh, you know, like 15 minutes, which is a lot, you know, but you have to go into everything that comes out of it at most, uh, they'll usually go to like, uh, 20 minutes, something like that. 25. If it's pushing it, the Gretzky trade tree that Steve Dangle did, which I would encourage everybody to seek out on YouTube. I will, I will lasted, try to link it in the description. <laughs> yes, please link it lasted 50 minutes and 55 seconds just to unpack <laughs> the entire fallout of everything that came out of this trade involving the Edmonton Oilers, the Los Angeles Kings, a shit ton of players and a shit ton of money because the owner of the Oilers was going bankrupt. And that's why he sold it slash traded Gretzky. There's also an entire book by the excellent Canadian journalist, Stephen Brunt called Gretzky's tears, which describes that particular day as the day that changed Canada forever. Uh, And it was a bestseller in Canada that trade was a big deal and there's a lot of fallout that can kind of come out of that trade alone. This is nuts. All right. Um, this has been great. You have absolutely like wet my appetite. Oh no, I'm in, I'm like, I now like, I want, I want to subscribe to this mini series. So, um, maybe we'll pick this up. Maybe not next week, maybe the week after it depends on how much we want to talk about next week. Yeah. We'll have to spread it out. I mean, it is a little bit of the dog days of the season. Every that's what team we were thinking, which is what we want to talk 10 about. To 12, yeah. Games left in the season, but we do know that for the North division, at least there is also roughly a month left in the season because of all those postponements. <laughs> But so our thought was like, you know, as we kind of have eclipsed the point where there's like maybe two or three teams actually fighting for playoff contention now. There's exactly, well, there's three spots that there's are up spots. for grabs. God damn it. Um, so as there are just three spots left, and then, you know, at a certain point, we're not going to continue talking about uh, random teams like that. So this will be fun to kind of hone in on. And um, maybe eventually we'll get that lockout bit in there. Oh yeah, and we got to do a the Lemieux. Oh, we got to do a Lemieux series sequel to the Gretzky series because Mary Lemieux himself is an absolutely fascinating character with a lot of twists and turns in his career. So Let's wait until would, the podcasting awards show up, and then you know yeah. maybe we get a little funding for the Lemieux season. <laughs> what tier will our podcast award be in? Our podcast award tier is absolutely going to be something that you can drink out of. So yes, for me, it's it going to be an A. Be. Yeah. It um, must be, yeah. <laughs> automatic a from you automatic a for me uh neil where can people find you 
You can find me at 538. I'm, I got that story about those playoff spots that yeah. I believe is going up tomorrow. Cool. Uh, and uh, they also can find me uh, on Twitter at Neil underscore Payne. And of course, Neil Payne 538 on GitHub. Yeah, follow that GitHub. I am Walt Hickey. And actually, I feel a little different right now. I don't know about you, but like, I think I just leveled up because I learned a little uh, bit about Wayne Gretzky. Totally leveled up. Totally, totally leveled up. Totally leveled up. I now know about some great one. Um, yeah, you can find me a lot of different places. I'm an insider. Uh, I have a newsletter called Numlock. The Oscars are this weekend. And if you care about the Oscars, go to awards.substack.com where I predict them and write about them a lot. Um, I might be in the Wall Street Journal this week. I don't know if I'm good. I don't know where Ooh. that's going. I, I did an interview with a, with a person about the Oscars and that. And so we'll see nice. if that goes anywhere. But if you read, you know, that that particular newspaper, you keep your eyes peeled because I might, I might have a quote in it. But uh, yeah, uh, any games you're watching this week? Uh, you know, again, given the, uh, the limited number of, uh, playoff spots available, it's tough to single out ones that are significant necessarily to that. Uh, I would say a lot of them have like peripheral, uh, influence on the, the playoff race. Uh, like for instance, um, the Dallas stars are playing the Carolina hurricanes, uh, uh, several times they're in the thick of that race against the Nashville predators. St. Louis blues play the Colorado avalanche blues have kind of a crushing schedule coming up. Uh, so we'll see if they can kind of, you know, hold on to the playoff in the West, uh, and, and stave off, uh, uh, the Arizona Coyotes uh, and maybe the LA Kings, Gretzky's LA Kings. So uh, stay tuned in, in that area. But those are the matchups I think of note that I'm watching. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, we'll see you next week. Take it away, Jack. <laughs>